Welcome to Star Trek Comic Book Review. Our several-year mission will be to boldly go where no podcast has gone before. We will be reviewing every Star Trek comic book ever published. These stories have been released by Gold Key, Marvel, DC, Malibu, Wildstorm, Tokyo Press, IDW, and others. Star Trek and all that the Star Trek universe contains is copyrighted by CBS Studios, Inc. Hello and welcome to Star Trek Comic Book Review with Donovan and Ken. Episode number 212, recorded August 15th, 2015. So today we're taking a break from our DC Comics and we're going to uh, Star Trek ongoing 45 through 47. Great. Uh, Finally getting back to Eurydice and finding what was going on with that little uh, friend or foe. Hmm. And not only that, but a little jaunt to the other side of the galaxy or well, further. Oh, okay. And this is important. I thought they went to a different galaxy. I thought they said, in, you know, when they first did their weird, weird transwarp jump or however that happened, that they were like in the Andromeda galaxy or something like that, didn't they? Well, that's what it says uh, at the beginning. Right. So that's a different galaxy. That's a different galaxy, right. And, well, that's a problem of mine, as we will uh, discover <laughs> as we get into the comments. Okay. Yeah, because obviously yeah. going from one side of the Milky Way to the other is hard enough, as Voyager showed us. Right. There's a big gap of space between galaxies. So, getting to the, so well, whatever, let's not talk about that. Good stories. Love the comics, but... That right. just bothered me a little bit. Agreed. Okay. So, do you have any uh, business to discuss, Donnie? Or should I we don't, get right in? I it? don't believe so. I think we can just jump right in. Okay, cool. So, I'm doing issue number 45, Eurydice, part three of three. Publish date is May 2015. Writer is Mike Johnson. Story consultant, Roberto Orsi. Art by Tony Chastain. Chastain. Colors, David Mastro Leonardo. Letterer is Neil Yutaki. Editor is Sarah Gatos. The primary cover features Spock in his active volcano suit in the center with Ohura, meaning manning her communications post in the upper right. In the upper left is an arid alien landscape, similar to Vulcan, complete with hooded figures in the upper left. The Enterprise is on the bottom of the cover. Text tells us this is the third issue out of three. The second cover is a photo of Spock armed with a very cool-looking phaser rifle from Into Darkness. Adrift in the Andromeda Galaxy, with no dilithium to drive its warp core, the stranded Enterprise and her crew is rescued by a deep-space salvage pilot called Eurydice. Eurydice tows the Enterprise to a trading center in an asteroid field with promises of replacement dilithium. Eurydice then betrays them and turns Kirk and crew over to the nefarious alien intelligence known as the Syndicate. Eurydice is guilt-ridden over her betrayal of Kirk and those people on the Enterprise. She knows what she did was wrong, but she'd do it again because, in return, she saved the small version of herself standing before her and calling her Mama. Kirk, with his hand in manacles, tells three members of the Syndicate they will never get aboard the Enterprise. 
The syndicate members look like huge neurons floating in a fluid in a clear vessel that is perched on top of large robotic bodies. They stand at eight or ten feet tall, looking down on Kirk and making an imposing presence compared to the unarmed Kirk. Though three of them are present, Kirk hears one voice that tells Kirk he will give up the ship and crew or it will be sold for scrap and everyone will be killed. A channel is open to the Enterprise. Kirk explains the situation. Sulu explains the dilithium was delivered, but immediately after it was, metal clamps locked down on the saucer section. They are not going anywhere. In code, Kirk tells Sulu to get ready for a fight. The channel is closed. Burly red shirts grab phaser rifles from the armory, ready for a fight that Kirk warned of. Kirk attempts to bargain for their lives by saying this is the first contact between their two civilizations. There would be huge profit in an opening of trade between them. The syndicate is interested in the sound of new sources of profit, but says they will consider it. But Kirk and his ship and his people are still the property of the syndicate. Meanwhile, the rest of Kirk's landing party are hung, suspended by some kind of cables from a ceiling. The five of them were bought by a nasty-looking alien that is returning with long metal implements. All the better to fillet you with, Mr. Scott. Before Scotty can be carved up for the other other white meat, a directed energy beam hits the alien between the eyes. It collapses. It's Eurydice, holding a small, stubby, smoking gun. She starts to cut them down before she realizes what a huge mistake she is making. Meanwhile, Kirk is attempting to negotiate with the syndicate. He finds out his landing party has been sold and is no longer in the building. The syndicate demands proof as to the profit they stand to make from Kirk's continued existence. Kirk agrees and tells Sulu to make it a double. Sulu beams in next to Kirk and starts blasting. At the same time, he hands Kirk a second phaser. Kirk starts blasting. Together they kill the syndicate members' presence and beam back to the ship. Back on the bridge, Kirk and the bridge crew try to figure out how to find the rest of the landing party and how to release the ship from the clamps. Many ideas are put forward, but before any of them can be put into motion, the ship is shaken hard. Eurydice's voice comes over the open channel. She is blasting the clamps free and her, uh, with her daughter's aid in precisely acquiring targets. She tells Kirk she has the rest of his landing party. She gives him coordinates where they are to meet after they get very clear of the dark market. Kirk hesitates to trust her, but she won't lower her shields to allow them to beam Spock and the rest back to the Enterprise. She asks him to trust her for what she is doing now. Later, after they have spent some time at the, at the meeting coordinates and on the more roomy Enterprise, Kirk finds out that everything Eurydice did was for her daughter. The syndicate and their single-minded drive for profit squeezes all their suppliers, and she was no different. They took her daughter, Thalia, to ensure her continued cooperation in their business dealings. They released Thalia after she turned the Enterprise and crew over to them. Now that Eurydice knows their game, she will steer clear of them and find another way to make a living. 
She has connections. Kirk asks her to stop calling him Kirk and start calling him Jim. She calls him Jim and gives him a very pleasant kiss. Then she says, fly safe. The end. A little tease at the end. Next issue, the Tholian web. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Webs. Webs. Plural. Plural. Hmm. Plural. Hmm. Yeah. Well, how nice. Kirk gets a little kiss in the end. Hmm. Right. So at the beginning of this issue, in the little what happened before, it definitely says they're in the Andromeda galaxy. Yeah. Yeah. Very clear. Issue number 44 in the what happened before, it also says Andromeda galaxy. Yep. Issue 43 in the text of the story, Chekhov says... We're coming out of warp all the way in the Delta Quadrant. So somewhere between what happened in episode issue 43 and the what happened before in issue 44, it went from Delta Quadrant, which is part of the Milky Way, Mm -hmm. to Andromeda Galaxy, which is a completely separate galaxy. Yeah. So I don't know what happened there. Right. But it makes less sense that they're now in another galaxy. Oh, completely. Remember that whole thing about Voyager taking an entire series to get back to the Delta Quadrant? Well, multiply that by, I don't, I don't even know what the factor is, to try to get from a different galaxy to the Milky Way. Not to right. mention, you know, Federation space. Right. Of Amazing. Just nothing. I mean, there's nothing in between the galaxies. Exactly. And unless you have a string of stargates between galaxies, I'm sorry, you're not going to get there fast. No. Which is what they did in Stargate. But I figured. To get to the Pegasus Galaxy. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, so I don't, I don't know why they changed it, but it, that, that annoys me now. Yeah, and they didn't have to do that. Just, just say you went... Well, okay, so why did they do it? Why did they put the Syndicate in a totally different galaxy? I mean, did they not ever want to come back to this again? I mean, Eurydice, they're never going to see Eurydice again? They're never going to have to deal with the Syndicate again? Or I, I thought they were a decent bad guys to deal with. I mean, they're basically kind of like um, the Ferengi, only... Evil. More evil. More evil. Only more evil. Exactly. They're competent. How about that? Yeah, they're... <laughs> they're competently evil. Evil. Yeah. I mean, these guys are selling uh, the rest of the landing party to be filleted and eaten. It's like, oh, nice. Anyway. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know why they changed it. I don't know why. Um, I mean, I don't know how you can make it make sense that, that the Enterprise thinks that they would ever make it home. Exactly. And yep. then I definitely don't understand how we can go from being in another galaxy in issue 45 and them be able to explain how they're going to have, they're going to be in Tholian space in the next issue. Exactly. So we'll see that in the next issue. Where, quite frankly, they don't even deal with it. No. no. It, and that annoys me, too. No, that's... that's I, I, yeah. Sorry, uh, sorry, Mike and the IDW folks, but that's just sloppy. Unless, unless I'm missing something and you're missing something. It's just... It's just right. sloppy. But whatever. Sorry. Really love your comics, but... It's true. I do love these comics. Yeah, I just wish that one little detail would, would either was consistent or made to make sense. But, or there was a good reason to go to a different galaxy, and I don't see it. But you should have been in the 
another galaxy in the first issue. No, don't well, that too. say that you're too. in the Delta Quadrant, and then in the next issue say, "Oh, by the way, we've always been in the uh, another galaxy." Yeah, can't do it that way. No, it just it just makes me feel like I'm back to reading Gold Key. Oh no, it's not that bad. <laughs> it is. Well, it, well, okay. <laughs> at, at least, well, they could jump uh, galaxies pretty easy in the Gold Key. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Anyway. Anyways, I did like the little worm creature uh, that was about to eat. Little? Yeah. Well, yeah, he's pretty big, but I, I, like, I liked his look. Oh, yeah. You know, a worm, caterpillar, something. Yeah, he was yeah. nasty looking. Right. Yeah, I like the design. I agree. And then when he died, he's all shriveled up like a, like a grub does when, when it dies or whatever. Right. It's kind of rolls in on itself. Right. Pretty cool. Um, so how'd you like how easily Sulu and Kirk took care of the, got, got out of that situation? Well, they had a code. And as we know from the movies, when you speak in code, it's, uh, the ultimate trump card. I, I know, but it is like the code they chose to speak of is completely right out of the first reboot movie, right. which is fine. It's just that Sulu wasn't there for that. Bingo. Yeah. Uh, now, he could have heard it later. I mean, Uhura was there. Right. Uh, Cupcake was there, but uh, Sulu was not. Nope. So, um, you know, he would have had to hear, hear it from somebody else, and I don't know. Whatever. Yeah, no, it doesn't make sense. Yeah, so we knew about it. but And, and quite frankly, even if you knew about it, it's like, make it a double? It's like, okay. Uh, whatever. And what was the first one he did? Um, um, the bars closing or something like that. Yeah, something like that. It's like, well, okay, so that's going to tell me to hold back and arm up and be ready to beam over. Um, uh, really? And then, and then you had all those, that, that one panel of all the red shirts aboard the Enterprise grabbing phaser rifles and stuff. And, these, you know, they drew them to be big, burly guys. It's like, why have a double? Uh, we Just, never even see them. <laughs> exactly. Well, why have why have only two guys? I mean, beam over five, ten with phaser rifles. Just blast the place. Anyway, whatever. Yeah, and why did Sulu beam over and not um, one of the red shirts? Why not Cupcake? Exactly. Yeah, send Cupcake over. He's expendable. I mean, only send Sulu over if you need him to be fencing. Uh-huh. Or taking care of germani- ger- geraniums, flowers. <laughs> Yeah, he's this, he's he's like the second in command, right? I mean, he's taken right. over all the yeah, time, right? Yeah, he's in command. Yeah, so we definitely in this reboot universe, um, they don't pull up Scotty to run the ship, <laughs> to sit in the chair so far. At least I don't remember that happening. Yeah, I don't, um, think, I don't think that's happened yet. Yeah, so we pretty much have Spock, and then we have Sulu pretty much, and then we have Uhura for the heck of it. Uh, yeah, so why, then, not? Why, not? why not? Bridge crew, makes sense. I mean, they're all straight out of the academy, not even graduated yet. <laughs> Why not? Exactly. Let a bunch of kids run the place. Wouldn't you think they would at least have somebody with some experience on the bridge crew? Whatever. We're getting off a tangent. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that is a dangerous slope there, my friend. It is. It is. Yeah, you would think that uh, Kirk would not be the oldest person on the ship, but somehow he is. <laughs> Everybody else seems to be younger than him. Right. Right. Which makes no sense. 
Well, well, okay, hold on. But Scotty's older, right? Okay, but but in the command staff. But but still, even, even just somebody that's just you know cleaning out the toilets. I mean, everybody seems to be younger or at the same age as Kirk. Well, hold on, McCoy. McCoy's a little older than Kirk. All right, they're all the same graduating class. Well, I know, but McCoy had a. I'm just saying, there's no guy. He became that's been a on the doctor, like Pike. Okay, fine, fine, fine. He's like, hey, fine, 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 fine. For years before you showed up. That's right. I'm 40 years old. It's terrible. Right. You got to go. Sorry, we got to have only young people here. I'm sure there's somebody in the background who's a little older. Somebody, somebody, mm. maybe not. Maybe I don't know. not. Good point. I mean, I can't think of anybody, except for <laughs> McCoy and and Scotty, but. Other than them, I can't remember seeing anybody who's older. Yeah. I agree with you. Well, I, take, I guess technically Spock's older, too. Pie quite a bit. Okay, okay. Okay, so Spock, then. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're getting off in the weeds. We are. Okay. So what do you think of the meeting place that uh, Eurydice takes them to with the, uh, the giant jellyfish? Oh, I really didn't think much of it. But, oh, they had a jelly, giant jellyfish in the background. Oh, that's right. Yeah, right, 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 right. Um, I thought it wasn't necessary to have giant jellyfish that live in, in space going by, but, oh, it was pretty. I was wondering if it was supposed to be a callback to Encounter at Farpoint. Oh, oh, well, maybe, maybe. Tentacled space creature. Right. Yeah, could be. And there's a whole bunch of them, too. If you look on the view screen, right, uh, I see one, two, three, four, five. So there's plenty of them out there. Space jellyfish. So uh, do you like it how um, uh, Thalia is beating Spock in three-dimensional chess? Is she beating him or just playing him? Well, she's smiling and he looks pissed. He always looks pissed. He's a Vulcan. Well, okay. the there's a difference. There's face. a difference between pouty face and the normal Spock face. <laughs> I mean, that's a that's like a pouty face or something. So he's either sick of the kid hanging around so much. It's like, give me some space, kid, or she's beating him. Mm, yeah, Ohora looks pretty happy about the game. So yeah, yeah, she's in the background smiling. Ah, my boyfriend's listening to a little girl. <laughs> yeah, my boyfriend's got a younger girlfriend. Yikes. Yikes. So you know if the chat was in this, Kirk could be getting more than a little a little kiss at the end. You think so? Oh. Oh. Yo. <laughs> the chat would have had Eurydice horizontal quicker than a prairie fire with a tra- tailwind, my friend. Well, she did betray them and sell them off for parts, so... Well, yeah, but come on. It was for his da- her daughter. Yeah. And besides, she's cute. I mean, it's the cute part. that all, That's all Shat would have needed. Anyway. Yeah. Just saying. Yeah. He still, he still has uh, Marcus there on the ship to, uh, to woo at some point, hopefully. Yeah. What's the deal? You better watch yourself. No wonder she's not. I mean, was she even in these? I mean, yeah. So Carol was probably... The, she wasn't on the uh, away team, was she? No, she was on the bridge. Okay, fine. Okay. So she was there in the background. Okay. Yeah. Anyway. Yep. Um, I thought the ending of the story came really fast. Now, I was fine with it being over, but I just thought it came kind of fast. 
Right. Yeah, I just don't see how Eurydice is going to be able to live a normal life after she killed the slug guy, freed them, and, you know, uh, betrayed the, the dark market like that. Right. Well, it's a big galaxy, I hear, Andromeda. You never know. But uh, good point. She's going to have to be... She will not be uh, plying her wares uh, in the dark market again. Nope. Okay. Uh, that's all I got to say about this one. Ooh, now we're into the good one. <laughs> oh, okay. So there's nothing, Okay, so we're both done. We're going on to the Tholian webs. The Tholian webs. Oh, boy. Plural. Okay, so what, so what did the reboot do with this one? Yeah, I'm going to ask you about that because I don't think they made it better. Mm, well, let's – yeah, let's get into the story and we can see what we think. All right, so the, uh, the title of this one is called The Tholian Webs Part 1. It is issue number 46 and came out June of 2015. The writing staff is mostly the same, uh, written by Mike Johnson, art by Rachel Scott. That's the only difference. Colors by David Mastrolonardo, story consultant Roberto Orki, letters by Neil Utaki, and edits by Sarah Kados. So the primary cover shows Kirk standing with a phaser drawn. Uh, below him, we see Scotty with his arms behind his back looking a little smug. And then to the left of that, we see Chekhov taking off some welder's goggles and holding a communicator. And it should be noted that Chekhov is wearing his red shirt for some reason. And then the photo cover is a picture of Chekhov wearing his gold shirt. All right, so the story starts with the Enterprise heading back to the Alpha Quadrant or the Milky Way, depending on where they actually were the last couple issues. Uh, suddenly, the Enterprise falls out of warp. Scotty claims that she did it on her own. After a quick inspection, the main crew meet to discuss the situation. Spock and Scotty describe that they are in a pocket of space called Interphase. Called Interphase which is a place where space does not exist. Spock illustrates the odd properties of interphase by putting his hand through a table. McCoy becomes outraged by these events, even taking a swing at the captain. He storms out of the room, claiming that he's the only one concerned for people's lives. While Spock and Kirk are traveling back to the bridge, they are accosted by a man named O'Neill, who claims that Kirk has no business commanding a ship. And he also tries to attack the captain. Spock takes the man out with a neck pinch. Two irate crew members in such a short amount of time. This has to be more than a coincidence. So Kirk orders a ship-wide curfew. McCoy is seen in the medical bay, injecting himself with something. Later on the bridge, Sulu has a sudden and brief headache. It quickly passes, and he assures Kirk that he's okay. Kirk is then called to medical bay. Once he arrives there, he finds McCoy asleep in bed. Spock and Kirk watch a recording of the doctor who tells them that he knows he was not thinking clearly and he sedated himself so that he would not harm anyone on the ship. He tells them that at the onset of this interphase madness, the person experiences a sharp pain. Kirk remembers Sulu's pain earlier. 
Suddenly, the red alert starts, and Sulu informs the ship that he has taken over and stunned the rest of the bridge crew. He has sealed the bridge so that no one can interfere. Kirk tries to contact Scotty in engineering to see about getting around the lockout, only to find that Scotty is also crazy and has knocked out poor Kinzer. Scotty tells Kirk that he is taking command of the engineering section and starts a saucer separation. As soon as the ship is split into two, several small alien craft arrive and start to spin a red web around each of the sections. Spock and Kirk talk about their options. They're being attacked by an unknown enemy who is unaffected by the interface, and the rest of the crew will slowly go mad one by one. To be continued. <laughs> well. Okay, so the first thing, obviously, to be said is they're heading... Okay, so they're in the Alpha Quadrant. They're back at the Milky Way. How'd they do it? Don't want to belabor the point, but I just want to call it out here. They haven't explained how they, how they were able to uh, cover that vast amount of distance. Well, it's funny because in the previously on Star Trek section in this book, yeah. it says that they're coming from the Delta Quadrant. It doesn't say the Andromeda Galaxy anymore. So uh, I have no idea where they are coming from. Because the Andromeda Galaxy is not in the Delta Quadrant. Because the quadrants yeah, are yeah. the quadrants of the Milky oh, Way. I completely agree. I could not agree more with you. And quite frankly, deep in the Delta Quadrant... Um, if you're deep in the Delta Quadrant, that's going to take you forever to get to the Alpha Quadrant also. So either way, they're painting themselves into a corner right? in what they're saying. I, and, I know. you know, they, they entered this interface thing where space doesn't exist. But never does it say that it somehow allows them to go. It's not a wormhole. It's not, they're not going further or faster than... It's not a shortcut by any means, so I, no. I really don't understand. Yeah, I, I agree. Okay, enough of that. <laughs> okay, so they're in the weird space, like happened in the Tholian web. Uh, of course, Kirk was trapped between realities, whatever, and um, and and crew were, were starting to have problems. Uh, that is something they are really leveraging here, which makes sense. Fine. Um, but, man, it just happened so fast. And especially when McCoy went out and got all wiggy first, that was something. Right. So, but remind me, in, in the Tholian web, there was a, another starship called the Defiant. Yep. And it was, <clears> like, <throat> trapped in, like, a sliver of alternate space, right? Right. I assume like the same thing is I assume the same thing is that they're talking about here. But there is no other ship that we've heard about. Right. No. So far. But that doesn't make sense because the uh you know, unless you want to say Star Trek Enterprise isn't canon. Um I mean because they 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 established that in Star Trek Enterprise the mm-hmm. but defiant that... went to another parallel universe not to a uh, okay oh. interface okay but also that w- <laughs> but correct me if i'm wrong that happened in the mirror universe right right the mirror universe of the 
Enterprise timeline, right? Exactly. So the original Defiance that they talked about on that show came from our dimension, right? Right. Okay, so that was the one that came up in the original Taws episode. Okay, fine. Right, right, right. And then somehow it pops out into a different dimension in the past in Archer's... Yeah, anyway, it's all confusing. <laughs> but yeah, right. I mean, it's it's like they're using the Tholian web and what happened and what went before, kind of, and they're kind of not. So, so in, in the Tholian web, could they put their hands through tables and walls and stuff? I think there was one scene where they where that started happening. Um, really? Yeah. Well, I think I think when they went over to the Defiant because that's where Kirk was, right? So he beamed over onto the Defiance bridge with a landing party or whatever. Then most everybody got back, and Kirk got you know mm. stuck out there. I, I I think I'm not sure, but I think because it's been a long time since I've seen that episode right. that. The, one of the landing party's hands might have gone through uh, a bridge council. Okay. All right. Well, but still, why is it sometimes and not others? Because, I mean, it shows Spock leaning up against this, this table. Yeah. At some points, and then other points, his hand's going through it. So, Well, it's... you able thinking, to do it by will? You're thinking too much. Okay. <laughs> okay, okay. Yeah, it's... It it does whatever is necessary for the story. Yeah. All right. So yeah, and I guess I don't remember Tholian Web as much as I thought I did. I don't remember the crew going mad and fighting each other and and things like that. To be perfectly frank with you, neither did I when they were fir- when that was first going on because that seemed like a totally different one. But, right. It reminded um, me of Naked Space or Naked Now. Or yeah. Or right. Um, but then it was like, okay, well. Maybe that happened, and I just went with it. Okay. And I have not gone back to rewatch the episode. Okay. But I, I think that might have been part of it. Because then, then if they brought that in totally out of the blue, it's like, then I'm really not happy <laughs> with the writing going on. I just remember them being all upset that Kirk was, you know, dead or whatever. Right. And they don't even have a funeral and stuff. But I don't remember them going mad and crazy and... yeah. Well, maybe they mixed a couple episodes in. Why they split the saucer section, you know, from the engineering section, I I don't see how that makes much sense. Because it's cool? Uh, That part was cool. Well, okay, it's cool and it looks cool and everything, but it's like... Because it's so crazy. Okay, so so now they're borrowing from Next Gen. Because if you... If you separated the Taws Enterprise, which they never talked about doing, but if you did do it, uh, and I do believe it was supposedly had the ability for that, right. um, you need a Starbase facilities or something to put it back together right. again, right? Yeah, you had to go to Dry Dock to get it. There you go. Right. So this is all straight out of Next Gen. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, in a way, I'm good with that because I think it's cool to have that capability. But also, in a way, it's like you're just picking and choosing what you want. <laughs> and it's like, okay, fine, whatever. Yeah, it also doesn't make sense because, I mean, it makes sense as far as Scotty goes. I mean, because he has all the power now. Yeah. He could just warp out of there where the uh, saucer section is going to have to go at uh, 
sublight speed. Right. Yes, not very nice of Scotty, I must say. So since he's crazy and he's all mean, it made sense. Right, exactly. But still. Okay, so in the end, though, sorry, Scotty. Sorry, Sulu, you treacherous poopheads. You're both trapped with Tholian webs, and now we know why there S is at the end. There's right. two of them. There's two of them. Right. And they don't look like webs. Um, they look like Superman flying around the Earth. <laughs> Lots of times. Right, right. But around exactly. the Enterprise saucer section and engineering section at the same time. Right, right. Looks like an atom thing or something. Yeah, and it, ne- it never really made sense, or I couldn't really figure out how big are these Tholian ships compared to the Enterprise saucer section and engineering section. Because we do see the ships, but we don't actually see them spinning the web. So, I mean, the Tholian ships in the movie, or the TV show, was quite small, right? Uh, pretty small. Yeah. But these seem to be huge. Well, oh, I had to look at a, double, a couple different ones. I mean, I'm looking at one at the very end. Yeah, the very, the very last panel. Right. And it's all a matter of perspective. I mean, they're all smaller than the, Enterprise, the two Enterprise pieces. But, I don't know. There, there's some ships that are further what? away than the Enterprise saucer section, and they look huge. They look as big as the saucer section almost. Mm-hmm. But they're supposed to be really far away that. from where, you're, where we're at. I don't know about that. All right, so you're looking at the last page. There's, I'm looking at the last page. There's three of them to the to the left, right? Uh, okay. And one and one of them with the flame coming out the back. No, the very last page. There's no. Yeah, I'm looking no, at the, very the last left, page. not the right. The left. Okay, fine. Look at the, the left three. Right. So that one on the top is behind. Yeah, the, I know the engineering say. section, and it's huge. Well, and it's, as, and it's as far... Right, because you can see the edge of the web. Right. On, oh, between us, our viewpoint, and the ship. Right. And I think, that, I think that's just... I, I do not think they're all different sizes. I think they're pretty much one size. I think they're all pretty much one design. And it's just the way they drew it. And I think in the end, what we'll see is they're probably about the same size as the traditional Taws ones. Mm. Well, they Although, look huge, yeah. They I look know. gigantic. I get, I get you. These are Godzilla-sized. Which does ships. not make any sense. Mm-hmm. That doesn't make any sense. Although I, I, I understand if you're, depending upon how you're reading the perspective that they're trying to draw there. Right. So. Well, that's, that's all I, I got. I got what I, they have on the paper. I, and it's okay, huge. Okay, fine. Okay, fine. Okay, so I guess we'll see maybe other more panels we can look at in the next issue. In the next issue, right? Because there are some other pa- other panels in this issue where it's kind of, it's hard to tell how big they are, right? But I know how big they were in the original episode, and they weren't weren't that big, right? Right. Okay, so um, I kind of like the top of page four where they show engineering as being a truly huge place. And of course, we got that from the from the movies too. Right. But but here is a, a particular uh, panel of the comic, and it's showing a pretty stinking big place. Yeah, there's there's at least like what six levels of 
of right. flooring. Yeah, and it's like, it's kind of a, you know, in some ways, I think it's kind of a waste of space. Because if you ever think of, like, like Defiant or whatever, where they're trying to save space and stuff, everything looks like kind of close quarters. This thing is ridiculously huge. Right. I mean, um, it's cool and everything, but it's just massive. So, yeah. big ship. It, it was J.J. Abramized. <laughs> right. Let's make them big. Yeah. Okay. So the cover, what did you think of the cover with uh, Chekhov wearing the red shirt? Well, they took it from... Misleading? Well, misleading, or they took it from um, the second movie, In the Darkness. Right. Because that's when he took over the engineering post. That's when he had the the Dr. Evil, Dr. Horrible goggles. And I, I... now that you mentioned, I guess he did have a red shirt when he was uh, when he took over engineering. Right, he did. So but they they this just is took a it painting, from that. So they could have just painted it yellow. Why? Well, I, I agree, but for whatever reason, they took it from In a Darkness. Literally, literally, okay. literally, mm. which does not apply to this comic at all. Nope. No. Yeah. So at first, when I was looking at the cover, I was like, "Oh, Chekhov's going to go back to engineering again for whatever reason." Mm-hmm. And then, especially when Scotty started going crazy, I was like, okay, Scotty's about to get promoted again. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't happen. Spoiler alert. No. No. All right. Anything else? Um, all I want to say is, going back to what you had said earlier, which is, this is not an improvement on the story so far. I think, I th- I think how they've redone things here, I mean, except for the coolness of the saucer section detaching from the engineering section. I don't, I'm not getting a strong, boy, good job, guys. Right. It's an adequate job. It's like, yeah, if you wanted to, if you wanted, somebody wanted to do the Tholian web in, in ongoing con- continuity, sure, it's, a, it's, it's fine. It's just not really fantastic. Right. I, I just, now I feel, I feel a little, Bad that uh, I am misremembering Tholian Web episodes so much that uh, I forgot that they were all going crazy and stuff. Because I thought that that was all just made up for this. But if that did have a precedent in that episode, then it's a little less of an issue. Yeah, then I'm eating a little crow here. Yeah. Well, why don't you? While I do um, the second issue, part watch, two. Watch the movie. Watch the episode. No. All right. I'll be back you, in 45 you. minutes. <laughs> You're funny. Go to the synopsis at Memory Alpha. Just go to the synopsis. I might do it. Okay. It's quicker that way. Okay. So now I'm going to do issue number 47, which is part two of two of the Tholian Webs. This one's published uh, July 2015. Everybody's the same. Right. So I will not repeat them. The primary cover features Ohura firing her phaser and looking very nice. The Enterprise is streaking across her midriff. Lucky Enterprise. Spock is in the lower left holding a tricorder, and Kirk is in lower right speaking incredulously into his communicator. A very colorful background is eye candy. The second cover has a very cartoony look to it and shows Kirk, Spock, and Chekhov all in the open hand of a huge Klingon who says they are prisoners of the Klingon Empire. The caption at the bottom says, Shrunken Captives. 
So there's got to be a whole story behind that since it has nothing to do with this issue. But um, maybe Donovan knows and he can comment later. Kirk is at the door of sickbay pleading with Sulu to open the door. He is thinking now he has failed in every way a captain can. Allow the saucer section to be taken over by Sulu. The star drive section to be, uh, to be taken over by Scotty and McCoy to become compromised uh, by the area of space they currently find themselves in. Worst of all, the two halves of a ship are held fast in some kind of energy filament web by parties as yet unknown. Spock says he has completed Dr. McCoy's work on synthesizing an antidote to the effects of this area of space. He will synthesize as much as he can and begin inoculating the crew. The news makes Kirk upbeat as he leaves Spock and goes to travel through the Jeffries tubes to the bridge. On the bridge, Sulu is opening a channel to the mystery ships outside. In mid-sentence, he is silenced by Hurra, who knocked him out with a phaser. She calls Kirk and restores his command controls. Kirk thanks her and heads for a turbo lift. In engineering, Kinzer comes to and takes Scotty out with a very tiny but effective left cross. Kinzer, Ohura, and Kirk la- launch a plan to transport all non-essential personnel from the star drive section to the saucer section. Then, Kinzer wants to try a plasma blast in the, from the engineering section to free the star drive section. Kinzer wants to try a plasma blast to free the star drive section. Since they are not sure if they can even safely transport past the energy filaments, Kirk tries it on himself first. In the meantime, in sickbay, Spock is inoculating many of the crew and in doing so, stemming the outbreak of irrational behavior from the crew caused by interphase space. Kirk successfully beams over to engineering where Kinzer is. He signals Ohura to start beaming crew from the star drive section to the saucer section. The Tholians finally introduce themselves and accuse them of trespassing on Tholian space. The Tholian says the Enterprise cannot escape from their energy web. They will be taken to the Tholian homeworld to stand trial for their crimes. Ohura reports to Kirk that they are being towed and the main hull is evacuated. Kirk says he and Keenzer will stay to initiate the plasma burst. They initiate a burst of blue plasma that comes out of the back of the nacelles. The web's threads to the aft begin to dissipate under the barrage of superheated gas. They are free. Keenzer and Kirk target the Tholian ships and start blowing them up. Kirk tells Ahura to be ready to engage the remaining enemy ships when they take down their web. Kirk carefully fires phasers yes, phasers, at the saucer section and freeze them. Both parts of the ship open fire. The three remaining Tholian ships take off, and on their way they say back to Kirk and crew that their cowardly trickery may have saved them this time, but they are going to tell their dad when, when he finds out. Actually, they say a state of war now exists between their two civilizations, blah, 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 blah. Kirk's arm sinks into the engineering control council he was leaning on. The webs were counteracting the interphase effect, apparently. Scotty comes too. 
Kirk tells him they need to reconnect the ship and get out of here. Scotty seems to be back to normal when he calls Keenzer a bastard for knocking him out. Kirk's rather long log entry records his misgivings over the hostile meetings of the Tholians, given the hostilities already occurring with the Klingons and Romulans. On the bright side, he is stoked over the bravery of the crew and plans on awarding citations of merit to Keenzer and Uhura. They continue, of course, what about Spock? They continue on to the nearest starbase for repairs and resupply. Keenzer asks Kirk to the ship's lounge for a drink. Kirk attempts to make conversation, but quickly realizes that what Uhura said about Keenzer not being big on conversation is an understatement. Finally, Kirk resigns himself to the silence and says, This is nice. Keenzer finally says, Harump. The end in a Starfleet swoosh. So, no, I do not understand why there are shrunken captives on the cover. <laughs> I think that's just them having fun. It is, yeah. So, it kind of, you know, it didn't they do like a, yeah. So, on the uh, Planet of the Apes one, they did kind of a retro uh, gold key cover. Right. Which looked really cool. Mm-hmm. So, very happy about that. This one is not a retro Star Trek anything. I mean, it's some kind... So, again, is it Archie? I mean, what's the style here? God of comics. I don't know. The the design of, like, the IDW and and, and things like that remind me of, um, like, the DC comic logo, the old one. Okay. But, yeah, the the way the the characters are depicted do look a little Archie. Archie-ish, but not quite Archie. Not it isn't full full blown Archie, Mm-mm. but it's Archie-ish. Yeah, so it's interesting. I, I I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I well, like you. it. I like I the like Enterprise it. with the exhaust coming out. It looks awesome. Hmm. Yeah. In fact, when I bought the issue, I picked that cover just because oh, it was you? so unique cool. and different. Yeah. And no, it's only three hundred and ninety-nine cents. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> Deal! I didn't even notice that. So it translated yeah. into the pennies? Yeah. Huh? <laughs> so then it looked like the old, like, DC Comics 10 cent. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. Okay, cool. Like I said, I liked it. I, yeah. I thought that was really cool. Yeah. And normally I get the main covers. I don't I do not do the, the, the additional ones. But this one was cool. This one was worth it. Right. All right, so speaking of Eating Crow last, last episode, last issue... Uh, yeah, in the uh, the Taz episode, Tholian Web, the Defiant was caught into something called the Interphase. Oh, right. And, and it, the crew killed each other, right? And the crew killed them, yeah. killed them each other, right? Yeah. So when they beamed over, they found people like chained up to the sick bay medical beds, right? And they had video footage of a crew member killing the captain, strangling right. him there on the bridge, and things like that. So right. And then the Enterprise starts having the same issue once um, they beam back over. Right. And Kirk's lost. 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 Well, so in that regards, this issue's spot on. <laughs> They're just missing the defiant part. Yeah, interesting about that. So they must have figured that was just too much to mess with? Well, they still got to try to figure out where the hell they are because yeah. I, I, I don't know. Or in this alternate 
dimension, maybe the Defiant never got stuck. Are they in the Alpha Quadrant now again? I don't know. Are they still in the Delta Quadrant? Oh, I, I think it, in the beginning of the first issue in this, didn't they say they had, they, they had gotten into the Alpha Quadrant? I thought. Uh, maybe. Yeah, I think they said they were in the Alpha Quadrant. Of course, how they got to the Alpha Quadrant, that's another question, but still. Right. Yeah. Oh, well. Right. So this one was quick, I thought. Two issues instead of three. Like, your dice was three. This one this one, right. I, maybe could have been three if they could have done more with the Tholians aside from, we'll get you next time. <laughs> yeah, talk about hollow uh, threats. Okay, so... So when you're inside of the web, you can't do anything. But when you're outside of the web, oh, well, you have all possibilities. So they're in the webs. They could have fired phasers. I don't remember them firing phasers. And, but they couldn't get out. Okay, fine. So I get it. They, charged, they shot the plasma out of the back of the nacelles, and they broke the bonds of the uh, engineering section, star drive section, whatever you want to call it. And then they're out. And then they're able to use phasers from the star drive section to remove the uh, bonds around the, um, the saucer section. Saucer section, right. Right. So you couldn't use your phasers from the inside of the web, but you can use your phasers. It's effective on the outside of the web. Yeah, did they ever actually say they couldn't use the phasers while they were in there? They didn't say it, but why didn't they? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, if you could, why, why wouldn't you cut it free? And obviously they did not do that in the original uh, Taws episode, although I don't remember the, the episode well enough for them to, whether they actually explained that or not. Right. But, whatever. Right. Yeah. Right. So as far as them finding a cure for the, the sickness, that's, that's straight from the episode two. Right. Oh, okay, right. So McCoy found a cure for the uh, illness. Yeah, Nicole, McCoy and Chapel. Ah, there you go. Sorry. Sorry, of course, Chapel. There you go. Instead of Spock and... Spock. Recording of... Uh, <laughs> recording of McCoy did it here in this, in this it, issue. Exactly. So, commendations... Now, I didn't get the... Did, I didn't get my synopsis wrong, right? I mean, Kinzer and Uhura get the citations... But the guy that saved the crew, Spock, didn't get a citation? Right. Okay. He was just, he just made the, he just made the, the, the shots. He didn't actually. He had to finish it. He had to finish it. (laughs) McCoy wasn't finished with his work. Anyway. So it's just really good that Spock is such a great uh, switch hitter. Right. I mean, he's a science, he's the science officer, but. He what a great switch everything. hitter. He can do everything. Yeah. So, cool. So, Keenzer, I, I, like, the, I like some of the Keenzer things. So, I, I like how he just slugs uh, Scotty. That's funny. After whacking him with a, with a pipe. Right. To get him down on the same level. I thought right. that was good. <laughs> and, that, and they show it. It's that little hand. That little fist. Takes out Scotty. I mean, that was really funny. Uh, to me, yeah, that was funny. That was funny. like, that was like, that would, I think Simon Pegg would do a great job with that. Right. Especially since there's such a delay from when he gets punched in the face to when he actually goes down that he has time to talk. 
Uh-huh. That was quite a strong punch for such a little fist. Boom. <laughs> <laughs> it was funny. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's why that's why Keenzer's there, right? Little comic relief, little comic relief, yeah. Little comic stuff going on between Scotty and the the K guy. Cool. Yeah, I thought it was good. Yeah. And then and then um, I like the that last page where they're having coffee. And yeah, he's not saying anything. That was that was fine. I mean, first off, why? So Keenzer Keenzer asked for it. You know, a little. You know, after working shoulder to shoulder with the captain and stuff, hey, let's let's have a drink. And, uh, and of course, I kind of like, I mean, Kirk is, of course, going to be a human. He's chatty. But Keenzer isn't chatty. He doesn't say much. And he's fine with that. So it's like, and, of course, normally that's fine because Scott, Scotty's his, his drinking buddy. As and we, Scotty never stops talking. Exactly. They are so well fit. They fit so well together. Mm-hmm. And another thing that's kind of interesting, did I mention this? I don't know if I've mentioned this before or not, but something I find very interesting is with the, the Scotty Keenzer's thing going on is Keenzer is just as, as uh, capable as Scotty. And this really shows it. With Scotty out of the picture, Keenzer's able to do it all uh, with a little bit of help from Kirk. But he just figures right. all this stuff out. So that's, that makes so much more sense. Rather than having Scotty, and yeah, there's some guys around or whatever, but Scotty's pretty much doing it all, or so they make you think. Actually having two extremely competent engineering engineers down there all the time uh, it makes a lot of sense. I like that. Right, and one just never stops talking, so he always takes the credit for both of them. Uh-huh, <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah, when when Kirk was like praising him and stuff about you know, this is good stuff and things like that, it really reminded me of you know, Shatner Kirk supposedly coming from an engineering background. Oh right, exactly. Yeah, but did uh, did Kirk ever actually go through that? Because he just became oh the fairy godmother of Starfleet, just made him captain right away. Yeah, this Kirk I don't think went through. Yeah. Those ropes. Well, definitely not as much of them, and I don't. I don't think any of them. So, oh, oh well. Gotta have a young crew. You may want to do multiple multiple movies. Right. Plus the fascination our society has with youth. Yeah, where's all the old people? That's what I said earlier. Yes, I agree. I agree. So I got a question about the artwork. Okay. Shoot. Tholian design. What'd you think? Looks <clears throat> a little different than the. Uh... The TV show's puppet. It's different than the TV show, but what is it? It's got black, uh, blue parts on it, so it's like a silver and blue, kind of like the Enterprise. You know, like a, a, a silver white. Oh, you're and talking blue. about the ships itself. I was talking about the Tholians themselves. Oh, the Tholians. Oh, sorry. I thought you were talking about the ships. Um, the Tholian, well, you know, um, I mean, they got a neck, so that's interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they still kind of look. They don't look quite as crystalline as they, as the original one did. Right. They look like they're, I don't know, like matte, matte colored, or I don't know, like they look plasticky almost. Hmm. Hmm. Instead of crystal. Right. And uh, like I said, they got a neck, which is definitely not lending to the crystal idea. 
the crystalline entity idea. Right. So, so I mean, they do look at least a little triangular, and maybe if they push their head down, they would look like a big triangle. <laughs> like in the old show, right. Quite a bit different than, than what I remember. Right. The half moon eyes. Yeah. To be perfectly honest with you, I really didn't spend a lot of time looking at that panel. But that is kind of interesting. It still looks kind of like like a red, br- a br- brunette, uh, brunette, uh, brown red kind of color in the background. So it looks like it's still hot there. Right. So they still got him in a hot environment. Yep. And the ships go down pretty easy once once uh, a little phaser fire hits them. You ain't kidding, boy. They must not have uh, shields or something because they're going down fast and easy. Well, I mean, the, the whole thing about the Tholian's weapon being the web thing in the first place is ridiculous. You guys should spend some more money on, like, shields, phasers, maybe. Anyway. Yeah, because how many people are just going to stay in, stay still and let you spin that thing around? <laughs> exactly. Not everybody has a crew doing mutiny that lets you get around them like that. Right. That's funny. Yeah, yeah that would be funny, too. Because can you see that? The ship's, like, standing there, and then the Tholian starts to do the first web, and then... They're just looking out going, what the heck is that? Yeah. Are they, are they trying to do that around us? Move a little uh, to starboard. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And then you're out of the way. And it's like, and then the Tholian's like, oh, damn. And then they re, they move again. <laughs> and then they start again. They're like, what, are they dumb? And then you just move <laughs> out of the way again. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Good point. All right. My last comment is um, – I don't understand why the captain has to be the one that tests the transporter from uh, ship to ship well, through, the, feels... through the web. Well, the beginning of the ep- uh, issue should explain that. He's, he's, he's really whining and pouting and like, oh, I've, ex- I've failed my crew in every way possible. Yeah, I still think I would beam over a, a pencil first or something. Ah. <laughs> I, comp- I, I agree with the pencil part, yeah. Well, what... Like we said in the uh, the last issue of uh, the Eurydice one, what, why why it, Kirk's over there? Great, and now you're going to take the second in command. You're going to take him and put him into a combat situation too. Boy, right. you guys are smart. Yep, what, so. but it does does fit the old show. I mean, that, it that's fits how the, old the old show. That's how the old show did it. You got that small number of main characters, and they got to do everything. Right. There was no cupcake back then. No. Speaking of, I haven't seen Cupcake since um, that mud episode issue way back when. Yeah, Star Trek in the Darkness was coming out. Yeah, out, have they have they dropped him? I don't know. Mm-hmm. I think they may have dropped him. Yeah, because now they always show um, Zund. Is that her name? Yeah, right. And then that blue guy, or whatever. I thought he was green. He's oh, like green guy. guy. Oh, that's right. Oh, right. He's an Orion guy. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah, so those are the uh, they've replaced Cupcake exactly, and I'm sure Kirk didn't have anything to do with it. <laughs> you beat the crap out of me. I think you're gonna have a transfer, <laughs> and you won't like where. Anyway, but. so what else you got for these this episode? This I issue? got nothing. Uh, I just want to say in the end, it's an okay adaptation, but mm-hmm. you know. Not a big deal. Right. I just wish maybe we got a little bit more Tholian 
Yeah. Yeah, and they Maybe were a little come bit, back. I mean, and they were a little more formidable or something because they don't. They did not paint them as very formidable here. Right. Right. Well, they said they'll be back, so maybe they'll come back. Yeah. All right. So yeah, my big, my big problem with these stories is I don't know where they went to, I don't know how far away they went, and I don't know how they got back so fast. Yeah. Yep. If those questions could have been answered, I probably would have enjoyed these issues a lot better. Yeah. All right. So speaking of issues, uh, next week we're going back to DC Comics Volume One. And we will start with uh, issue 12 and move on to 14. Great. Sounds good. So this, again, is after Spock's return and Enterprise is destroyed. And what is Kirk and company doing? And they're extra little characters. Right. Yeah. So hopefully they'll... Extra little comic book characters. I I assume we'll be seeing them again. Yeah, like the Klingon and... Right. uh, Bear Claw. Ah, that's what I always do when I think of bear claw. Hey, I think of a tasty pastry. <laughs> Donut. <laughs> uh, and then that girl. What was her name again? The daughter In- of the incense something. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that narrows it down. <laughs> I forgot her name, but yeah, I did too. Yeah. Okay. Yep. So we'll see all them and more. Hopefully. Yep. Maybe they'll finally actually get together because last we left them, they were still apart. Right, Kirk they was were on the Excelsior. Right. All right. Well, be back next week. Same Trek time, same Trek channel. Ah, what a wonderful Batman reference. Okay, thanks for joining us, everybody, on the review. Thank you for listening to Star Trek Comic Book Review. All Star Trek stories and characters are copyrighted CBS Studios Incorporated. All music, stories, and characters discussed are for entertainment purposes only. You can email us at startcomicbookreview at gmail.com. Visit us at our website, www.stcomicbookreview.com. Subscribe to us via iTunes. Or friend us on Facebook at first name, stcomic, second name, book review. See you next time on Star Trek Comic Book Review. Let's get the hell out of here.